Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for joining us. Glad you are with us, both myself, my co-host. We're both financial advisors. Our objective is helping people make wise choices with their dollars so that they have a come to a point in their life where they have some financial independence. Work is an option, not an obligation. Uh, and help people make some sense out of what goes on in the world and how they're supposed to manage their finances. Is it uh, make sense or... Um, I was thinking about this on the drive-in today. It, it, because we talk about making sense of it. It is... Is it really just reconciling with it emotionally that you have no control over it in a broadly <laughs> well, diversified yeah. <laughs> a broadly diversified portfolio uh, is um, the most sure way to steer yourself through this? I tell uh, you, and still have room for growth. It's amazing when you look when you look at the studies. I mean, I guess there's people that go to Vegas and they play blackjack, which is a zero sum game. Then the house takes its cut. You're bound to lose. You play long enough, right? Yes. Even if you play every hand perfectly, exactly what you're supposed to do by the book, you're going to lose long term, right? Uh, yes. But people still go and they believe it's different for them. Well, wait, wait, stop, stop. Not necessarily because if it's a single or double deck and you can count um, and you can adjust your wages, then you have a higher probability of winning. I- retract they go up to play roulette okay, <laughs> okay. whatever okay. My, okay, point roulette. Is, my point my, my here's my point <laughs> we know that 70 80 percent of professional money managers cannot outperform the indexes these are professionals the indexes that they are comparing themselves to large com- large company stocks let's compare it to the s p 500 whatever it is we know that seven depending on the time frame roughly 70 80 80 percent of Professional money managers can't do better than just simply buying a basket of stocks and forgetting about it. Okay. But yet some individuals think that they can. On the stocks. Yes. Yeah. And oftentimes on bonds. But and, and studies also show that individual investors do much less than the uh, much worse than the broad markets because of their poor timing. Oh, correct. Correct. I correct. I was um I was reminiscing about um, my early days. Uh, um, maybe it's because I turned 60 in November and I've started reminiscing. Is that too early to reminisce, um, 60? I was reminiscing about my early days. That's a big, that's a big birthday, a big decade birthday. You're like, well, yeah, we're not doing anything for it, but my choice. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I remember being at your 30th birthday. Oh, that's a long time ago. Yeah, in Lexington Hills in your garage. Yeah, <laughs> it was a nice garage. Um, <laughs> so um, uh, with with just early on, 30 years ago, with meeting with clients and them wanting to select the best performing mutual fund from the previous year and me arguing with them that that's probably not the right thing to do and actually not getting the business, not 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 having them as clients because someone else showed them short-term rate of returns as if they would continue into yeah, perpetuity yeah. as if it is, as if everything continued into perpetuity. And so I, I was thinking about this and then I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, you know, when we look at in stocks, you look at the fangs, right? Which is now meta, but Facebook, Amazon, right? Netflix and Google how rocked they have been in this marketplace. They've been hammered this year. You look at Facebook, 
Me- I, meta, now meta. All right, whatever. Right, meta. Uh, and it got hammered again yeah, was, just a week or so ago. Yeah, it was down 22%, uh, what, a week or so in ago. One, in like one day. So that stock, at least earlier in the week, the stock was at about 93 bucks a share. That yeah. stock in the last year has been was $350. Yes. Yeah, so it is down significantly. But the point being is that this is how... So we, when we talk about weathering the storms, don't throw in the towel in your portfolio. Look, if you are overloaded in meta coming into the year, I don't, I mean. No, it's okay. Look, look. if you do not have a broadly diversified portfolio, and you're betting a lot in individual stocks or individual sectors, then it may not be the best thing for you to actually try to weather the storm. But if you have a broadly diversified portfolio, which is, Stocks and bonds, and you know what your allocation is. And maybe by some the way, real estate, maybe some cash. Which leads me to what we're going to talk about later on in the show, which is why right now you should really be building models of your portfolio, and make sure you're re- you're balanced correctly. Most people don't rebalance their portfolios. Most people do not. And as the stock goes down, you have less risk, but therefore. Your portfolio is no longer in balance, the appropriate allocation. We're going to talk about that. Not only that, even things with um, different types of sectors and whatnot. Exactly. Anyway, let's take some calls. We've got a good program lined up. We believe it anyway. Uh, To join the program, 833-99-WORTH is the number. 833-99-WORTH. Numerically, it's 833-999-6784. We're in Washington talking with Melissa. Melissa, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Glad you joined us. Well, the question, I sadly, um, I recently lost my father in April of this year, and um, he had left me a considerable amount of money. And so um, <clears throat> married, I have two grown kids that are like 19 and 22 and they're going to college and we're paying for that. But, but we did find ourselves needing a financial advisor because we, um, a couple of them, I have about 500 K that are in annuities and the annuity, the company said, well, we can keep you in those annuities for the next five years with a guarantee of 4.6%. And, um, or I can withdraw them. And at this point, I'm going to withdraw one of them before the end of this year. And then for tax purposes, withdraw the other one with my intent of maybe obviously investing in the market and uh, working with our financial planner. So but let, let's his, let's back up just okay. a bit. So uh, sorry about your father. Melissa, how, how old are you? you? I am 52. Okay. And when did you put money in these annuities? Well, he put money in these annuities in the early 80s. Oh, this is your dad put the money in the annuities. Thank you. Okay. Oh, yes. My dad put, okay. the, put the money okay. in the annuities. Okay. okay. Well, he was a financial I was, planner. We were both okay. confused. Okay. And okay. did he – they were outside of an IRA. They were just cash that he put in. Yeah. The, they weren't in there. And how much money did yep. he deposit into not these annuities? Much. It's been a long time. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, not very much. Uh, so it has um, grown quite a bit. Um, it's 
I think that uh, one of the annuity, annuities have about, um, well, one was about, if I remember correctly, 178,000. Oh, go ahead. What are the guaranteed minimums? Because uh, sometimes these, I've come across some really old annuities that have like a guaranteed interest rate of four and a half or 5%, much higher than a market rate would be today. What, do you know what the guaranteed yeah, rate is? Yeah, there is. Right now, they're at 4%. And okay. then, go ahead. Yeah. All right. 4% for both of them. Yes. And there's $500,000 And how much did in you there? inherit ballpark in total? Uh, just a little, probably around with life insurance and homes, about 800, maybe 850000 Plus these annuities or including these annuities? No, including. Okay. Including. Okay, so most of the majority of his wealth was tied up in some annuities. Exactly. And, and, and unfortunately, annuities are one of the worst investment products for passing on wealth to heirs. Because if he owned, if, if this was five Annuities outside of an IRA. Correct. If, if these dollars were invested, let's just say, in a stock fund the Vanguard total stock market index or something like that, you would receive right. that with all the capital gain forgiven. Right. And so the reason we asked the question, how much money did he deposit in there is yes. we were trying to def- figure out what your capital gain. Uh, ordinary off- income. Right. Or, uh, ordinary income. That's, That's ordinary, ordinary income. income would be on when the- received. Yeah. So do you have any idea how much was deposited in these annuities? I do, and okay, it's at home, and I don't have. And it if right it was in the er, if it was before, I think it was eighty six or eighty eight. There, uh, it used to be the old. Remember the old annuities rules? Yeah, it was. It was first in, first out accounting on it. So, depending on when these were issued, you might be able to take his original deposits out without any tax considerations. So that's something you're going to want to look into before you pull the trigger on this. And I forget right. what she, I think right. it was, I don't remember if it was 86 or 88. If you could find an accountant that actually, you know, who's been in practice that long that they can remember the rules that were changed in 1986. Talk to someone old. <laughs> <Six>. <laughs> <Okay>. 1986. <laughs> what is, tell us about your family. Uh, like what did you and your, your spouse, how much money do you make on an annual basis? So um, we make about together about a uh, hundred and, Forty thousand dollars together. Okay, and um, you know our objective is he is to. I'd like to be able to retire at um, sixty-two, and my husband would like to retire at sixty-two. Um, our we've been uh, we have a financial planner who's been talking about long-term care. Like we should take some of that money and put it into a long-term care program with a annuity writer mm-hmm. um, with the thought of, you know, passing on this like generational wealth kind yeah. of thing. Well, well good for him. Um, <laughs> what do you, yeah, so yeah. What do you, how much money do you have saved for you and your spouse for retirement? Just the two of you forget this eight fifty. Well, my husband has like three pensions and um, I have, a, I'll have a um, school pension. So okay. we have a retirement that so is- So your retirement income uh, is going to be, at 62, you think you're already on track for retirement? Yes. Without these yes. dollars. Okay. So, yes. so your thoughts on the annuity then, because the challenge is the tax 
ramifications, which is why I brought up if it was issued before it was either 86 or 88 because uh, you get some favorable tax treatment on at least the deposits. But the challenge is when you take these dollars out, it's taxed as ordinary income dumped on top of your your other income. You're in Washington. Are you in Washington State or Washington, D.C.? Washington. I know what I would do. Okay, with so that's tax free. I mean, if I was a state. financial advisor sitting down, first of all, I wouldn't hire a single financial advisor that didn't ask the questions about the tax implications on this inherited annuities. Just flat out. If right. I wouldn't hire anyone that didn't ask about that. Here's what I would do. I would look to see what tax deferral benefits in through your employers that you're not taking advantage maximizing. of now. And maximizing those. Figuring out whether this is a pre-86 deposit, whether we could pull them in first in, first out. And then I would look at annuitizing them over a three, five, five seven-year seven. period and and integrating this. Now, in saying annuitizing all of- just means they pay it out over a period of years to spread the tax liability. Yeah. But if, if you're able to get out the deposits and you, you'd want to shoot for doing that, probably doesn't matter if it's this year or next year for that matter. But uh, you, you, know, you might want to take some income out this year. I would- Figure it out before the calendar year is over. Before I did right. any of that, I would remind you that this is separate property and not marital property. Which means... Oh, oh. Meaning that... It's that your property, not your husband's. It's all my, my property. Your property. Right? Does, and it, does it become his property? Only if you commingle I, it. If you commingle it. What so, if I have an account under my own name then you would keep it separate it's not marital asset right so that that's the first if so if you were i'm trying to think well this is she would be my little sister or my sister-in-law yeah. the first thing i do i'd sit down in a room and say okay before we get started and this is the first thing i want you to know is these are separate property if you commingle them and you and your spouse have some sort of separation in the future. Um, this could be subject to uh, losing some of those, making them separate property and making it marital property. So know that. Okay. But then the really issue is, I'm, and I, I'm with you. I don't like the idea of you're 52 having $500,000 in fixed income uh, annuity. Uh, and you're just going to exasperate the tax problem. Right? Yeah. Uh, right. So I, I certainly like the idea of trying to figure out how do we get out of these it's the, that whole tax situation. It's, it's tricky. Yeah. And, um, are you maximizing your contributions to your company employee, employer pension plans right now, you and your spouse? Yes. Well, my, my spouse is. And then now I'm, um, what we have is a, I think it's a 403 B mm-hmm. and I'm going to, to maximize, um, my withholdings, pre-taxed withholdings from my, perfect. My um, check. Yep. So that, and then I'm I'm going to use some of the money that I have to live off of that if I need to. Let me ask you Does this question: sense? You didn't you you have not put the annuities in your name, is that correct? Well, the annuities are in my name. I'm the beneficiary of the annuities. Okay, They're but in my name, you didn't the get a new company, contract, right? Nope, nope. The the company says I can. I can sign over my annuities to a five-year contract with a rate of 4.6% guaranteed. Yeah, that's an annuitization. Well, that doesn't necessarily, yeah. you're just trying to sell you new annuities, what they're trying to sell you. Yes, and I don't want, I, I want to. Uh-uh, I that's want right. To but you got to make sure. Yeah, yeah. You, wait, I, I hate, you, 
you need a qualified financial advisor to the, run through all the scenarios. What's retirement look like? The finishing the kids through college. Scott and I are sitting here talking through this. Like, okay, this is what we, we just see a bunch do. of landmines. This is right? what you can do. You can do this. <laughs> That's what I see. And by the way, you don't have to make it all uh, marital property. You can make part of it. So you could say. Okay, I'm going to combine four hundred thousand dollars into the marriage, and I'm going to leave yeah. four hundred thousand dollars as separate property. I, uh, yeah, yeah. You need a good certified financial planner, someone who can really do a great financial plan that can dig into some of these issues that we brought up, figure out some right answers, and then provide a, a variety of alternatives, and you can make the best informed and choice. not someone that was trying to sell you a life insurance policy as a long term care. That, that was probably not the right the, thing right now. Probably the wrong thing right now. Appreciate the call, Melissa. Let's uh, go to California, talk with Peter. Peter with Allworth's Money Matters. How you doing? Hi, Peter. Good. Hi. Yeah, I just wanted to call because I'm 63, recently laid off. It's been about two months now. And, you know, being at this age, um, it's not been very good. I've applied for, you know, tons of different jobs, and they all come back saying, you know, we're considering other ca candidates. So, kind of gotten to the frustrated, getting frustrated because, you know, nothing's happening. So I was thinking about, you know, just going ahead and just throwing the towel and just retiring. Can you afford so, to retire? I think I can. My wife says no, but she's so stuck on the money thing that she doesn't know how to, you know, live. Know. Well, okay. <laughs> she might be right. <laughs> well, no, I, don't, I, don't so. So, I know I know we can make it comfortably, but she's like her dad. You know, everything's about how much money you can save and okay. Spend. Fair enough. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, so what what question do you want us to answer for you? Well, I have a TSP account, and then I have um, a couple of four hundred ones, and so I was thinking about using my TSP and just go ahead and start drawing from my TSP, and then waiting until I'm 70 to collect Social Security, which would give me 3000 3, bucks a month. Okay, and how much is in your TSP? Thrift Savings about Plans. 100, about 120 And how much are in the other 401Ks? And my other one, one of them's got 200 the other one's got 20000 then I have a Roth for uh, 15000 Okay, and uh, do you own a home? Yeah, it's paid off. Okay, and what did you... You what, have a pension? You have a pension because you were working at the gov for the government for a while. Do you yeah, have a pension? It was, it was government contract, so it wasn't really working for the government. But I do get a pension from one of the jobs for four hundred bucks a month. Okay. And then I get something from the VA about a thousand bucks a month. But my wife is retired and she's pulling she brings home like thirty one hundred. And when did she retire? So, um last December. And how much money were you? So your wife, let me, your wife retired last December. She currently brings in thirty one hundred bucks a month in pension. Yeah. Uh huh. And how much were you earning before? But between the two of you, let's go back to two thousand twenty one. Thank you. What were you? Yeah. What was your income for that year? Mm, probably about for both of us about two fifty. How much money do you have in the bank? Um, about two fifty in the bank. So, like I said, we got enough money in savings, I think, and then with what we're bringing in, we should be okay. Right now, we're paying seventeen yeah, hundred bucks a month for Cobra, but you know that will go down after December. And what's your, you know, what is your wife uh, receiving Social Security now? 
No, she's not. She says she's going to wait till 66 and then she'll get 3000 a month. So, I mean, in about five years, you know, we're going to get just, just a loan on social security to be about 6,000 a month. I think that the, you know, you're not going to be able to main, same, have the same lifestyle in retirement as what you'd had before, assuming that 250 was been kind of a common income. Unless you had, you know, you were accelerating your mortgage payments to get the home paid off or you were putting it's kids through off. college. Yeah, everything is too. We don't owe anything. Everything's paid off. So how no. much? So from your retirement accounts, I mean, it, it, it you've got two fifty. So what six fifty in savings? Yeah, six hundred. Six hundred. Yeah, six hundred. Well, my wife has got. She's got um, um, almost five hundred in her four hundred one, and she okay. has another one. Have you? Have you said? You know, <laughs> here's what. Yeah. If you're my brother, I'm like Peter. Come on, you and your wife go sit down with a financial advisor. Pay for a financial have plan. Have them do a financial plan. You can do all kinds of different what if scenarios. Like, what's a realistic income for the family right now with you never going back to work? I think I mean, you need that for both yourself and for your wife. Your wife particularly. My first blush yeah. is yes, you have enough money to retire. That's what I say. No, I know, but 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 your but your wife. There's two of you in the relationship. I'm assuming. Um, right, yeah. and, and if your wife doesn't get comfortable with the concept, then you can't get comfortable with the concept. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Yeah. Happy wife, happy life. She's more freaked out about um, health insurance than anything else. Well, then she, she's well, got a valid point. But there's, you yeah. could probably go on the um, Affordable Care or the, or the California plan next uh, right. He's in California. Right. Yeah, which actually. Which really cheap. Which, which actually may make a, a ton of sense for you. Yeah. Um, and by the way, yeah, we just did a um, by the oh, we just did a webinar on uh, healthcare, paying for healthcare options. One of the things we dealt with, and we interviewed an expert on people who retire before sixty five, how to get health insurance. So, uh, yeah, allworthfinancial.com. You watched it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, the, the, so Peter, I'm looking at this, and you're asking, should I take money from my TSP? And yeah. you you asked that specific question. <laughs> We're finding all those other assets around. And there's seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in qualified money in your accounts, which are either Roth or or, or IRA money, in some TSP or four hundred one k or whatever. You know you, what what I'm guessing. If you sat down for a financial plan, we'd actually spend down some of that two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in the bank and take some money out of the IRAs in order to qualify for lower cost medical, lower cost medical until you actually qualify qualify for Medicare. And then at that point in time, make the decision whether you need to go on social security or not. So, so you asked a very specific question, which was, should I take money from my TSP? And I'm going to answer this very specifically. I have no idea. I have no idea. It, it is a option, but I mm-hmm. don't believe it is the best option. If you were my brother, okay. I have yeah. a, I have a brother named, not Peter, but it might as well be. He's 63. <laughs> and what we would do is we'd write, do a financial plan. I'd end up putting all these dollars in an IRA, figuring out when to do social security. And my bet is at the end of the day, you're going to live on some of the IRA money and some of the money from the bank. Um, and you've got what you've got forty five hundred dollars a month in taxable income coming out anyway, so you're probably not going to take much out of the IRAs in order to qualify for the low cost government subsidized health insurance. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. which would put your wife at ease, which would be worth every dollar the cost of a financial plan, right. every dollar and then some. Totally. Yeah. Go see a financial <laughs> advisor, Peter. You're really, you're, you're doing yourself and your wife a huge favor. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts here. A good, a good advisor that, that understands these issues as people go from the workplace to retirement. Um, um, it's just going to be make a tremendous difference. And you know, it's interesting, but we've, I've often said the, the importance for people to be retirement ready, right? Because one out of two of us are going to retire earlier than we'd planned either because of change in job, like we just Peter experienced, right? Uh, or maybe it's a, we have a, a new company buys our company our new manager comes in or whatever. It's like, just not, doesn't, I'm out of here. Like it's no longer <laughs> the place it used to be. Uh, or a health issue between either your own personal health issue or a health issue of a, of a loved one. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a child. Yeah. Uh, one out of two. So it's important. Look, even if you think, I don't know if everyone will really retire. I get that. Like from a, I'm 56 at right, right now at this stage, I think, Oh, I never want to retire. That might change at some point in time when I, it's funny though, when he, it, when the, the call is, should I take money out of this account? If I'm in poor health, I don't go to my doctor and say, should I diet or exercise? I think it would be both diet and exercise, right? So the phone call was specific. Should I take money out of this account so that I have enough to retire? Well, you do realize most of the medical system is based just upon that. What's the sickness we can deal with? <laughs> we'll give you a prescription and I got a code I can check off to some of the insurance company pays me. That is how most health is. <laughs> okay, I did. Okay, I said <laughs> okay. In an ideal world. Okay, thank you, Scott. A doctor we looks at your whole picture. Yes, maybe yes. Full maybe blood work maybe all the bad habits I have in addition to the lack of diet and exercise. <laughs> We're taking a quick break. We'll be right back. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McLean. So, um, for the terrestrial radio listeners, um... I'm going to do a little follow-up on the conversation we just had before the break. With Peter? Uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. The one before that, I, I was thinking about it over the break with Melissa and how um, really complicated uh, her situation is. Really, really complicated. Um, and how she brought up the fact that she met with a financial planner and they recommended- A product. A product. <laughs> where, where we never even got, we never even got close to a product. We were trying to figure out the tax ramifications and the solutions around. Um, and part of and it, annuities are some of the worst investments you can own when you pass on. They're horrible for state planning, uh, unless you plan on giving to charity. Unless, you or plan you've on- got, uh, you know, you've got a child that uh, uh, doesn't have a lot in, of of income, and you want to. Provide some sort of lifetime income for them. Or special All needs. Right, so or- there's every once in a while there might be a case. But by and large, you're much better off owning an asset that has a, it's, has a capital no, but, gains but, forgiven. Yeah, but this was a fixed income product. So if they had a choice between this and, let's say, bonds. Well, they didn't. 
They have the whole world of investment alternatives. Well, and they did invest in they did invest in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. So they had forty. They had, it would have been worth several million. Yeah, yeah, they they had forty years, yeah. forty plus years. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Your point was though. Um, sometimes you just really need to go get professional help, and I'm not talking about someone that holds themselves out as a financial planner. You know, sometimes it makes sense to go and pay a fee to someone and have them just analyze the situation and tell you exactly what you should do without actually trying to institute yeah. any sort of product. Well, here are the t- alternatives for you. You go down path A, here's what it means, here's the cost. Path B, here's what it means, here's the cost. Yeah, yeah. Costs as far as taxes and opportunities and some of those yes. sort of things. And then align that. And what was really interesting about the call was when we mentioned it was separate property, when you inherit an asset – and it is just your name inheriting, not your spouse's or anyone else's. It is considered separate property. And to mix those with marital property um, is kind of a big deal because I have seen it where people have tried to pull money out of the separate property, make it pull money out of marital property. Well, you've seen what's happened when people end up getting, look, in a perfect world, we get married, we live happily ever thereafter. It's marital bliss the whole way through. Yeah. We have our finances are secure, our kids are wonderful, right? Okay. We're, we're, okay. That's not reality. And, yes. and I, nobody goes, the vast majority of people do not go into a marriage thinking, oh, this might not work out. We could just get a divorce later, right? That's not the reality. But whether, I'm not, whether it's good or bad, the fact is a lot of marriages end in divorce and gray divorce has risen dramatically. Older people. Kids go off to college, move out, whatnot. We've seen it a lot over the years, yeah, right? Yes. One of the fastest growing segments of divorce. But just as a financial over. advisor, Pat. Oh, yes, You've worked, helped clients figure, split their assets countless times. Yesterday. Yesterday I did it. Literally. Yes, literally. And how long have they been married? 30 plus years. Okay. So that is. <laughs> so yesterday, I counseled one party of the couple. Uh, and ideally, they're on talking terms. You can sit down with both of them and talk about the difference between why a million dollars house is not worth the same as a million dollar IRA or vice versa. Like why those are, we need to value those differently based upon different factors, et cetera. That's, <clears throat> yes. Uh, but the. The reality is the couple you're dealing with, one of them is choosing to file or both, whatever, right? I don't, none of my business. Had one of them inherited some money 15 years ago and just threw it in the pot with the rest. Now it's all in the pot with, and now it's 50, 50 as opposed to, Hey, wait a minute. Those dollars came from my dad. Those are mine. Then everything else is 50, 50. That, that's right. That, and even, even keeping it separate property could cause conflict in the marriage, first of all, because that's right. you kept it separate. <laughs> Second of all, if it's a not a tax-efficient portfolio and it's in separate property, who pays the taxes that are generated by that portfolio? The individual? Yeah. Or the marital asset? And then don't – I mean, married filing separately never works well. I mean – That's right. That's right. That's right. But then I've been – I've sat down with people and they were inheriting – Two hundred thousand dollars, and I explained the separate property, and 
the gentleman said, well, that makes sense. I should keep it separate. And I said, no, no, it doesn't. I said, your net worth is so high. This is a percentage isn't even worth talking to your wife about. <laughs> Just mix it in and call today. And he said, why did I, t- why'd you tell me? And I said, well, really, because I have a, an obligation to inform you. <laughs> like thinking, yeah, I would not recommend bringing this thing up if that's it. That, that's right. But if it was, you know, 200,000 and their overall net worth was a million dollars, I most certainly would say you should consider keeping a separate property. But. A good estate plan, actually. Not only that, Pat. Let's talk about a sizable estate. Like, we've seen someone passes away, the surviving spouse, obviously it's traumatic, they think they'll never remarry. What do you know? A couple years later, they remarry. Yes. They list one another as beneficiaries. That person passes away. Suddenly, this new individual is brought into the scene who now has the asset. Yes. That may or may not choose to uh, provide some to the down generation. So people inadvertently disinherit their own children, normally their children, because of poor estate planning at the second marriage. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I've, look, I've worked with clients who say, I want as little as possible to go to those two and as much as possible as going to my two. And as much as I think, my job's not to really pass judgment. Like, oh, well, yeah. Here's how that works, but it's like, uh, yeah. So estate planning, like, the, 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 Melissa called us. This is getting depressing. Well, Dad could have made it a lot easier <laughs> on Melissa. <laughs> no, just I'm just thinking. Okay. I don't even like think about. It. Well, let's go back to. By the, the way, uh, my 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 wife's mother died 13 years ago. Has it been that long? Yeah, 65 heart attack. You know, it's one of those things that. Like, it's like heart disease, number one killer for women. And you think of it always as men and they miss the signs. And like, we miss some of the signs, truly. Um, but my wife had inherited a small amount. She just said, let's throw it in the pot. My father passed away a few years ago. We just we threw it in the modest pot. amount, threw it in the pot. Although there are some uh, IRAs still um, that we take the requirement of distributions on. Roth and normal IRAs. Is, is that kind of a hassle? No, because uh, my it's Allworth all, advisor oh, set it up. It's it's all automated. automatic. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it just comes out at the December and gets transferred to my brokerage account. That my Allworth financial advisor takes care of for me. <laughs> That's right. That's a little shameless plug for <laughs> for us. Allworth financial <laughs> for us. <laughs> anyway, let's oh, us um, and our three hundred and whatever fifty teammates. We've uh, let's go back and call. Are you allowed us? to call them teammates, associates. We call them associates because no one wants to. I don't know why they're not employees; they're associates. But then some senior people think, "Well, why am I an associate?" It's like I don't mean associates. Not meant like that. Associates just meant we associate Team. under the Allworth umbrella. That's very nice, nicely said. <laughs> there you go. There's some. T- there's, Spin. <laughs> there's some. There's some boardroom uh, bingo or a corporate uh, bingo <clears throat> talk speak going on there. We do have a great team of people, though, I must that say. Is, that is that's great. Uh, all right. If you want to join us, 833-99-WORTH is our number here. 833-99-WORTH. And we are in California talking with Opal. Opal, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hello there. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Oh, well, I'm calling you guys. Oh, wow, this is cool. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, thank you for we joining so us. We think so, too. <laughs> with, we thank you. Thank you for calling yeah. us. We do appreciate you. I have, you're welcome. I have a, clear, a request for a clarification 
and a question. Okay. Right. The, clarifi- the clarification, a couple weeks ago, you were talking to a gentleman, and you said you lose money when you reinvest dividends, and you didn't explain why. Oh, I don't know if we said yeah, you that. Did. Yeah, I listened to it twice. Okay, well, it was in some context. So how about we explain why reinvesting in your dividends oftentimes doesn't make sense? And and why oftentimes companies paying out dividends don't make sense. So dividend, if you if money inside invested inside of a retirement plan, IRA, 401k, it doesn't matter. There's there's no taxes until you pull the money out. And this this day and age, there's really no transaction costs when you buy or sell a security. So it's whether it's reinvested or not reinvested makes no difference whatsoever. But it, uh, money that is invested outside of a retirement account, when we choose to have dividend reinvestment, we are stating, I'm going to, I'm taking. I'm choosing to put some cash that I've got today and buying that individual company or that individual security, buying more shares of that. Okay. And oftentimes, most most money that is invested outside of retirement account is not allocated perfectly because over time, one thing does better than something else and people don't rebalance because the tax implications of rebalance this i know i should probably sell a little bit of this because it's up in value actually most people don't think this way but this the proper way to manage money is when something is outperformed you pair off a bit of that and and invest in a different area when you're reinvesting the dividends you're prolonging that problem you're making it worse when you could be instead saying i'm going to take those dividends and use this fresh cash as an opportunity to perfect my portfolio or move it closer to the ultimate and, and rebalance the portfolio. Oh, I see. So it doesn't necessarily cost you more money. It's just an inefficient way of managing your money. Because if I, let's say I turn around, let's just say a company had a stock. I had $100,000 in, in a company stock and it paid a, this is fictitious, a 25% dividend. Okay. That'd be pretty good. It Now I get this $25,000 and I turn around and I actually put it back in that company stock. Okay. But maybe I've got too much of that company stock already. Oh, I got it. Or maybe it's paying such a high dividend. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. It's not earning that much money. In fact, it's borrowing money in order to pay such a high dividend, which isn't unusual, by the way. So I'm just compounding my problem. Uh, and then now one day I wake up and I say, oh, I should really diversify that portfolio. I have to go back in and sell shares, which may or may not be the right thing to do in order to diversify the portfolio. Yeah, having said all this, years ago, companies would often have a dividend reinvestment plan. I think just about every company did. They're called drip plans. Yeah. I don't know if they're still really out there because times have changed a lot. But that was back in the day, and that was also when you had to buy a, 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 a even lot, 100 shares or more, right, back and so you was a chance for investors to be able to reinvest their dividends in the same company without any transaction costs and without having to meet a hundred share minimum threshold. But that was well, that was when I started. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. we've been in the business. Yeah, a long that's time. a good point. And so that was a way of doing it. It's not the preferred way today. Not, not, not. Got it. Not. Okay. In fact, if you had listened to this show twenty five years ago, which you could have. <laughs> Don't listen to it now. <laughs> which you could have. You could have listened to it 25 years ago. Actually, most of 
the vast majority of our planning is no different today than it was 25 years ago. That's right. It's the, okay. the, some of the investment techniques and how to – ETFs weren't even around back then. I mean, there's right. a lot of things that have changed. Yeah, but right. but it wasn't okay. a bad way to accumulate shares. It's just not – it's not efficient at all. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, I, I understand. And by the way, people get hung up on these dividend-paying stocks. I, I, I don't understand it. Well, you do. Well, I do. Under, I understand why people do it. It's not you, you in your viewpoint. It's not a, a well-educated um, viewpoint. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Thank you for telling right. me what I think. <laughs> <laughs> You actually did a better. You did a better. You did a better job of explaining it than I did. I know you pretty well. We worked together a long time. Well, you had a question for us too. Yeah. Okay. This is a tax question. Okay. I'm just gonna. I'm making. I. This is a pretty watered down um, scenario to so I can get the point. Okay. Let's say you buy your favorite mutual fund. You buy one share at twenty one dollars, and you buy one share at twenty five dollars. Okay. And you're, you know, the market does whatever it does. After X amount of time, the mutual, the the custodian gives you dividends, and they buy one share of that favorite mutual fund for twenty dollars. Okay. So now you have three shares. Okay. In two years, let's say you want to buy. I'm sorry, you want to sell at thirty dollars. Okay. Which one are you selling? Because in order to file your taxes, the twenty-five dollar one, most likely, unless you find yourself in a in a situation where you've got zero capital gains based upon your income that year, then you might sell sell the one at twenty dollars. Oh, depending upon what the total income for the family is. Yeah, but a, oh, I see. Right. So Scott, some capital gains at zero sums up five percent. So what's your I, so what's your income, and then and this will kind of land us closer to the, well, the right answer. But I mean, th- th- this is just a scenario. I mean, just just, just the so, idea. Yeah, I get what you're saying. You're most you can, likely to sell the twenty five dollar one if you are in eighty percent of the time, ninety plus percent of the time. You're most dollars. likely. But you you can build you can you can state exactly which securities you want to sell. You can pick. You, you yes, can pick correct. and choose oh, whatever which correct. one you. But you have to keep good records to that, make sure that is it, correct too. Yes, both those things. And and that's in the brokerage account. This doesn't matter if it's in the if it's in a, a rollover IRA or the Roth. The IRA doesn't matter. Yeah. It's the only thing that's taxed in an IRA or Roth is the money that's distributed. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, and, is, and, and 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 here's the reasoning behind why you would normally sell the highest one is you lowest capital gains. Under current tax law, you receive a step up in basis at death or depending upon how the property is titled, if you've got a spouse on either of your death so that all that capital gain is wiped away. And um, you can gift things t- to people but well, not to people. You can and to gift, people. Yeah, you can gift shares to people and you could you could gift these to uh, nonprofits. If you were gifting, you might want to gift the $25 one to a nonprofit. They still give the one with the lowest cost basis, the most amount of uh, That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. So most of the time you're going to choose the one that's going to have the lowest tax implications. There are times if you're in a – and the majority of Americans don't pay any capital gain taxes because they're in lower tax rates. And if you're only buying three shares – yeah, but the yeah, majority yeah. of our listeners aren't in that the is lowest correct. tax rate. That is correct. But so, yeah, well, it, but it, 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 again, it takes planning. Just with 
it's a good question though. I appreciate appreciate you calling so much. Well, we are getting to the end of our time here with you guys. Um, just want to remind you of our website. This program, we've been doing this program for 27 years. Uh, highly educational. At least I hope you think that. That's our approach. Let's let's help educate people. They can make better choices with their finances the more educated they are. We have the same approach with our website. We've got lots of different tools. Obviously, you can get this podcast there. But there's lots of different um, educational tools and techniques and stuff that you can get from our website, whether it's articles or blogs or, or video um, productions or webinars or seminars and all kinds of things. Allworthfinancial.com is uh, our website allworthfinancial and they're they're not run of the mill they are we do them in-house yeah yeah they're, they're yeah they're yeah, we do them in-house we manufacture we we do our own content so visit allworthfinancial.com and the great topic up there right now is where retirees are mo- where retirees are moving and also a great article on required minimum distributions we're out of time we'll see you next week this has been allworth's money matters This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence. 